You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode we'll be talking about the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers. In the room I have Crystal, Ben, Hi. and John. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Sticky Fingers is the ninth British and eleventh American studio album by the English rock band The Rolling Stones, released on the 23rd of April 1971 on the Rolling Stones record label. The producer was Jimmy Miller, and the genre is hard rock and rock and roll. And from all music reviews, Stephen Thomas Irwine. Pieced together from outtakes and much labored over songs, Sticky Fingers manages to have a loose ramshackle ambience that belies both its origins and dark undercurrents of the songs. It's a weary, drug-laden album. Well over half the songs explicitly mention drug use, while the others merely allude to it, and that never fades away, but it barely keeps afloat. Apart from the classic opener, Brown Sugar, a gleeful tune about slavery, interracial <laughs> sex, and lost virginity, not necessarily in that order, the long workout, Can You Hear Me Knocking, and the mean-spirited bitch, Sticky Fingers is a slow, bluesy affair with a few country touches thrown in for good measure. The laid-back tone of the album gives ample room for new lead guitarist Mick Taylor to stretch out, particularly on the extended coda of Can't You Hear Me Knocking, but the key to the album isn't the instrumental interplay, although that is terrific. It's the utter wariness of the songs. Wild Horses is their first non-ironic stab at a country song, and it is, it is a beautiful, heart-tugging masterpiece. Similarly, I Got the Blues is a ravish late-night classic that ranks among their very best blues. Sister Morphine is a horrifying overdose tale, and Moonlight Mile with the Paul Buckmaster grandiose strings is a perfect closure. Sad, yearning, drug-addled, and beautiful. With its offhand mixture of decadence, roots, music, and outright malevolence, Sticky Fingers sets the tone for the rest of the decade for the Stones. All right, what do we think of Sticky Fingers? What what do you what do you think I thought of Sticky uh, Fingers? I think you loved it like I, I do. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great album. It's it's good. It 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 is like tonally some stuff just doesn't sound like it should be in there. What do you but mean? Then, like Wild Horses doesn't really oh, sound yeah, like yeah. it should be in there. And um, but also I mean Wild Horses is like it's an amazing song that like transcends all stones to me. I don't know. Uh, it's it is good. I did truly enjoy it. Reading the lyrics of Brown Sugar, I had never thought that deeply about that song. And then I was like, this is very weird. And then you read his take on it throughout time. And it's basically like, I don't even fucking know what I was talking about. You know, like it was just like, I would never write a song like that today. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, he changed <laughs> changed some of the lyrics and like later uh Yeah, he he no longer sings 
uh, what you, you could hear him whip the women just around midnight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now it says like you should have heard. You should have heard, heard them. Yeah. Uh, do you know the the original working title of Brown Sugar? Please tell me. It's Black Pussy. <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not cloak this in any euphemisms. Let's just go straight to it. Yeah. <laughs> How come you taste so good? <laughs> yeah, and that was that was uh, for his love interest, uh, Marsha Hunt. Right, who's the? Mm-hmm. It was his his secret girlfriend. Well, there's two different women, is what it says. Like yeah. another woman says that it's her yeah. because she says she was always fucking. She was also fucking around with him at that time. Yeah, but she To be fair, it doesn't have to be just about one person. Yeah. It's no. true. You know, it's true. It is a, it is like a raunchy song, and it's, sometimes it, I am, yeah, I am. It's, it's hard to. It's, it's so infectious. A banger. I know. It is. It that is it's a banger. Really hard. Yeah. It is a banger, and all, but also don't know how much. Like it is a banger, but sometimes it's like you hear something so much in your life because that was such a breakout hit from this. Like it was one of the singles that maybe that's why I feel like it's a banger, and I never really listened to the lyrics until now because a lot of times. I can't tell what the fuck he's saying in most of his songs. Yeah, it's true. It, was, it was a big hit, even in the time. I think that that song's such a banger that a lot of people glossed over the lyrics. Well, you but, know, absolutely. But it comes yeah. at a time like, for sure, English people and have always fetishized the South, like fetishized the blues, and I think that um, with the Stones. Like, he has done that with some of his songs that I can't pick out of the air right now. But, like, that's when you read it, when you finally, like, it's just, like, that's what it seems to me. Is somebody basically romanticizing this time period that was fucking terrible. And you can sit on your high horse over there in England because it wasn't you. And you love black ladies. Like, and, but it's also interwoven with, like, drugs and, like, the darkness of sex and things like that. And... I can appreciate it, but I could also see why someone would be like, this is fucked up in this stupid song. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I think that's always been oh, maybe is. like some of the, the Stones lyricism has always been kind of like, I was going to say it it's kind of fucked up. It is, yeah. it is fucked up and <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like they, they, they really push the sort of dangerous, like weird, like it should not get airplay. Like what they sing about definitely should not be on the air, but somehow it it, it is. Well, the, Danger the Boys has always been their role to play, mm-hmm. yeah. and they play it well. Yeah. I mean, their music is great, and yeah. that, I think literally it, side two, the first song is "Bitch," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the rule, right? I mean, ideally, side two, song one, also a banger, <laughs> also a banger, not always a banger. In this case, yeah. a banger. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some not bangers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard some not. Yeah. Uh, it is tracked well. I will say, starting out with Brown Sugar, going into Sway, then bringing it down with Wild Horses, coming back up with like you know you got to move, bitch. You know it it it's it, and then ending with like Moonlight Mile, Dead Dead Flowers, oh, then Moonlight sure. Mile. They, yeah, they keep the tempo. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Stones always have like the right uh, track list, like that right tracking. Whoever whoever's like looking mapping that out, picking those songs and, yeah. and going through, it's it's spot on. Well, I think somebody Absolutely. I read somewhere I think that like Moonlight Mile was actually the last song they also recorded. So you know it might have just they they figure out a way to make it all fit naturally too. Because yeah. you know sort of what Crystal was saying, Wild Horses is a, a break from what we normally would think of as the Stones. Like it's kind of slower. And Since you guys mentioned that. 
Yeah. Oh, please. Uh, do you think that Mick Jagger and Keith Richards composed the song Wild Horses? They're credited with it. They did. Because they... I, I was so convinced that it was uh, Flying Burrito Brothers. Well, specifically Graham. Right, Graham. Who was in the room when it was written. Yeah. It got... The credit goes to... Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, they right. recorded a version, Graham recorded a version, all three of them were in the room. Do you think it's kind of one of those kind of like I think back, it was backroom deals? Uh, I think because it was. this doesn't sound like a Rolling Stone no. song. Yeah. It, it does like sound a like a Graham Parsons, Parsons song. Yeah. And we have factual evidence of them taking credits away from people for the specific album, like Marianne Faithful not getting her credit that was credited to her album, but then after that like, nah, she didn't have to do anything to do with that, show, yeah. that song. For Sister Morphine? Those two, yeah. Sister Morphine. Yeah. Take writing credits away from Mick Taylor, and he's in exactly. their band. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that was what I was about to say, yes. And then he's like, pretty sure that I uh, wrote some of that song, but I guess like, not. Really? I don't know. I didn't get any credits I'm for it. Now, like, so. I, see, I, see that, I see that Keith Richards has a writing credit. And he was in home at home in bed that day, and that's kind of like why I was yes. your writing partner. <laughs> well, it's like it's like sticky fingers. We all know what it's supposed to mean, but it also could just be like you know, you two dudes are stealing all the fucking song credits. Oh, <laughs> that's what the, yeah, yeah. That's what the album means. Is it, was it this album where I stole all these Finger's supposed to mean Crystal. I I read that it was like reference to like uh, like I don't know like come all over your hands and shit like that. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. I mean if if the because the album covers like why am I having because all the wieners and stuff. I don't have one. Dongs and and sticky things. (laughs) Everybody's got sticky stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's that's the good reference is that it can it can mean. Whatever you want, and it it sounds dirty. Yeah, <laughs> no matter what. So, can anyone name an Andy Warhol album cover that isn't phallic? <laughs> so you've got uh, Velvet Underground, Velvet Underground which is the banana. Peel slowly and see. And it is a peel. It's also an action cover. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't yep. think about that. Action covers. Yeah, this is an is action this cover. An action cover? Well, yeah, the this zipper. zipper. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that's what this. Yeah, cover so it's was. a it's a a pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. Plenty of dick. Well, with yes, yeah, lots of dick. But no active, like, outside dick. It's all it's all covered by another pair of I pants. I thought it was pretty, like... I thought that there was t- some shadows. Dick. They're pretty, dick. like, yeah. it's in tight ter- pants. Warhol, Warhol, Warhol it's, is tasteful it's, dick. It's lit. Maplethorpe is lit in a straight very dick. Good. <laughs> Just dirk. Oh, no, no, Warhol should have done dick. this. Yeah. <laughs> he would have done a great sticky I, <laughs> I think Maplethorpe has some very tasteful photos. So. He does. Well, yeah. Oh, they are. I'm not saying they're distasteful. They're just explicit. A little more clear, yes. This is in a pair of jeans. Yes. And these jeans zip down uh, yep. to expose underpants. A, 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 a uh, Maplethorpe album cover wouldn't be implied to it. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But uh, yeah, with uh, this with this cover, the zippers had to be zipped down halfway so that they wouldn't damage the records. Yeah. Because when they're when they're, when they're stacked, when you stack records to ship them, all the zippers being up was damaging actual like playable area, and so 
when they were shipping them, they zipped them all halfway down so they would only damage the <laughs> I bet middle that was of the really record. Really fun for whoever was shipping those <laughs> out. Just Jimmy, zip, you gotta zip, zip all of these down. <laughs> 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 Uh, the, the functional zipper is only on the first pressing. Yeah. They, oh, okay. Because it was damaging the actual product. Yeah. I would still, I'd love to get like a. I have one. You have a, you have yeah. a, a wow. working yeah, zipper we'll, one? We'll look yeah. at it. No, I think you're right, though, about that Graham pa- Parsons. Uh, I don't think they stole it from him. No, I, I, I think, think there, was there was a, a, a like a, a agreement. agreement. Yeah. Well, Graham's smart. He's very smart. He yes. stole another band. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think he. He would get swindled in a uh, in a uh, credit. Well, in this no. deal, didn't he get to record the song technically first with the Flying Burrito Brothers? I think their version did come out. Yeah, like seventy, like, and this is seventy-one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, if we really want to talk about it, yeah. the Sunday is kind of like one of the best covers of Wild Horses. Like who did the who Sundays? Did? I'm not oh. familiar with their cover. Sundays. 90s band probably not going to be later on this list. They might. I think they might be. I love the Sundays. Yeah. But they do a, a cover. It's um, it's probably the only like female one that gets radio airplay. You might have heard it, but yeah, it's it's a really solid version. It just like <clears throat> honestly, it kind of fixes his inability to uh, sing those high notes. So like mm-hmm. she brings in those high notes, and it's really lovely. I'd recommend everybody go listen to it. Yeah, when Mick Jagger yeah. sings a high note, it's. It's got some grit to it, which has its own sort of yeah. feel, but it would be nice to hear it with a sweeter, sweeter sound well, behind his it. His is emotional, but like, um, it's all, I mean, it's almost like he's afraid to sit in that emotion. Honestly, I, and why would you commit to Mick? He, <laughs> I read a quote from Mick because this isn't the first time that the Stones have gone country, uh, and it's also not the last time, but <laughs> as per this album. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the last time in this album. It's not the last time in their career. It's not the first time in their career. Uh, but Mick was talking about how the the rest of the band would be playing it straight, like straight country. Yeah. And he said he was he he didn't. He's like I'm not a country singer. He like couldn't like he couldn't get around the Mick Jagger rock and roll ego yeah. to sing a country song straight. So he would sing it like a like a dirty dive bar blues song, like a Mick Jagger way. And that's kind of where the Stones brand of country music comes from. Well, the alternate to that is the drawl that he puts on in Dead Flowers, and I don't like that. I mean, yeah, it feels so joke. kind of hams that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard the drawl in Faraway Eyes, though? No. Is that when it's got spoken word verses? Okay. <laughs> and he's doing a... This is my first time hearing a cowboy talk. I just, I don't like his <laughs> no, affectation no. when he tries to. Put I love that Dead on. Flowers, though. I, I Dead do. Flowers is a great song. Do you no, like that song? Fine. It's a fine song. Do you like, yeah. I, I like, I like his performance on it. Yeah. You yeah. don't like Dead Flowers? Well, I like the other version, which is Towns Van Zandt. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's hard to beat that. I've heard there's some pretty good covers. Yeah. Of How do you Dead feel Flowers? about, like, him covering. Uh, you gotta move, or I mean, the I like version it. of you gotta move. I like it because that's that's affectation too, but it's yeah, yeah. you know, affectation of a. But they've I mean, been doing a spiritual. They've been doing yeah. blues covers since the day they formed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they they recorded a lot of these at Muscle Shoals, you know, yeah. with some real players. Right now, we're, we listen to the, the hear end of the jam yeah. outro. Can you hear me knocking? knocking? And it has what Bobby Keys on the saxophone mm-hmm. and Bill, Billy, Billy Preston. Preston. On organ and man, without those guys, I feel like this album would would just not ele- wouldn't wouldn't be the classic. I guess. And that do you know the is. name of the Congo player in uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? 
Is it Eddie Bongo Brown? No, it is not Eddie Bongo Brown. It is Rocky Dijon. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good last name, right? Wow. So this is the surprise jam out that yeah, they didn't realize yeah. I, that I, they were still recording, and yeah, and so like uh, they were just playing, and was it like Mick Taylor? Mick Taylor was like, "I'm just gonna keep jamming out, and it's just gonna fade out like all songs do of this time and and in the future." And everybody picked up their their instruments, and they just started. Jamming out Carlos Santana style, and now we have two different songs. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no one knew that they were still recording. That's yeah, pretty like, amazing. Can't we hear me knocking ends? And then, yeah, like uh, Chris was saying, Mick Taylor just starts going into like a riff, and apparently people just start like, oh, well, it's going to be like that. I'll pick up my saxophone. Yeah. And, but the, every everyone in the room had thought that they had already hit stop, and they were just dicking around. And man. That's a long jam. It is a long jam. And I don't mind it at all. It's Unlike unlike most jams, that's an enjoyable jam. If you were like in a studio and you just jammed that, you'd feel really good about yourself. (laughs) And then you're like, and you recorded it? That's you. Yeah, let's fucking put it It's got a beginning and a middle and an end. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I want in my jams. Yeah. Thing that Moby did with Clay like oh. years and years earlier. <laughs> A little bit. Huh. Slightly. We're listening to uh, Bitch yeah. right now. What'd cool you call soul, me? Cool. I, <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> uh, cool Soul Jam. Big old horn section. Yes. I was reading about the recording of this. Apparently, uh, Mick Jagger and Mick Taylor and like the rest of the band, but not Keith Richards. Uh, I think Keith Richards was like, sleeping it off on the couch and they were working on the song and it just wasn't coming together. They had the lyrics they wanted. They had like a melody and they're just kind of like banging their heads against the wall. Like I know there's a song in here, but it's this isn't a song. Apparently Keith Richards like opens his eyes and he'd been listening to it. He's like, give me that guitar. They hand the guitar and he's like, no, 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 And then the band just picked it up and like, and that, that was the song. And like one of the engineers was like, oh, that's what he does. He knows how the song's supposed to feel. Yeah. And he can like deliver that. Like this, that was a song, but this is a Rolling Stones song. Got it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Although he probably passed out after, <laughs> after, after recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it feels, this album just feels real good. It feels like real loose. It feels, yeah, it feels a bit dangerous. The guitar tone's great. Mm-hmm. It's cool having the dual leads, too. Yeah. Because if you listen for it, you can you can definitely tell who's who. Yeah, like we, We've talked before about a guitar player having style and a guitar player having like a uh, like a a 
technique and like how Eric Clapton, he's all technique and in my opinion, not much style. Keith Richards is one of those examples. He, he oozes style. Like, you know, you know a Keith yeah. Richards riff, but he, he's he's not playing anything. He's playing all very rudimentary stuff. Yeah. But but he's like, it stinks of Keith Richards. And whereas like Mick Taylor, he he's definitely got a smoother way of playing. So there's some of these songs that are like trading off back and forth. And Keith Richards is kind of like chopping away at the guitar. And then Mick Taylor's playing like these like more like fluid licks. And like together, it just... It sounds really cool, really yeah. full. I like it. Yeah. Got that chocolate and that peanut butter. <laughs> they yeah. got that chocolate and that peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is nice to uh, sort absolutely. of hear all those styles that are a little bit beyond what the Stones had been doing. I mean, they are, they're stretching out a little bit. Yeah, I bit. feel like they hinted at it at, what was it, Beggar's Banquet, mm-hmm. a, a bit um, with some of those old, older kind of covers, blues covers and things. But now it's like they've gone full on, like, country full-on soul bringing in the saxophone and and kind of like just elevating everything that they're going to be doing for the next decade as 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 much as sticky fingers is it's not they have not yet pushed it to their pinnacle of sounding like this it's like exile still coming right and it's just like it's like they're, if they're working with, a, I don't want to call it an edge because it is it is loosey goosey and that's the beauty of it. But if it was an edge, you know, it'd be sharp here and even more honed on on exile. Yeah. How did, all right. Let's just go around the room. How you feel? We hated think. it. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess it's one of those. Do we even need to go around? <clears throat> I loved it. I think it's great. I mean, sometimes on an album you'll you'll hit something that's a road bump, and I didn't really feel like there was one in here. There's some things that were difficult or maybe a little like hard to move through, like you got to move or, or feeling some of the lyrics on Brown Sugar. But even with some of those um, content concerns, the musicality drives you through the whole album. Yeah. Definitely yeah. positive for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, positive for me as, as well. I mean, songs like people forget songs like Sway, which is totally that's a great song. And yeah, like, can't you hear me knocking? You know, yeah. just those just those like. Songs that you don't even really think about. Right. Uh, the, the guitar riff of Can't You Hear Me Knocking is yeah. funky and infectious. Yeah. So, yeah, total positive for me. I mean, I just kind of like this this type of uh, bluesy, almost garagey feeling rock. And um, I, I like the this style of country, this sort of like laid back, feels like late nights or something like that. And yeah, with the Towns Van Zant kind of uh, style. Yeah. Or Graham Parsons. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all in. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, I think this is a good like record you could put on with people over, and no one like would ever be like, "Oh, Ew. this song." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> there's a little questionable like pockets here and there, and like the a little like questionable stuff with giving people credits which is so indicative of like white men but um yeah i think it's good i i recommend going to listen to the marian faithful version of sister Sister morphine Morphine. Mm -hmm. it's good and listen to that sunday's version of of (laughs) wild horses (laughs) you can listen to the graham version of wild horses too if you want yeah 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 let's just like listen to to everybody's version (laughs) uh 
this album was it was their first uses of the tongue and lips logo. Yeah, uh, did read that. Which uh, I didn't realize was inspired by the Hindu goddess Kali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really surprising that that was the. I, I read that and I didn't see that that was where they came from. Well, but. the the design with the graphic designer uh, uh, John Pash. Uh, when Mick told him, he, he's like, yeah, I want a new logo. I want it to be like a mouth. I want, like, he's like, I, I, I want it to look like the mouth of this, like, Hindu goddess Kali. And John Pash, before he looked up what that, what it was like, he was like, oh, man, like, that's so 2000 late. Like, <laughs> well, there had been this you know, whole, like, like there's uh, that it, whole movement of, Hindu like, Indian of, Indian yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, like yeah, Hendrix, the cover of, uh, yeah. but he's like, but then he saw the picture of her. He's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Well, <laughs> like, and he may not have gotten it, but like the mouth of Kali makes a lot of sense for Rolling Stones and kind of where they're going. Like she's the consort of Shiva. And so she's sort of this embodiment of of Tantra, like finding the divine through the profane. Also, yeah, so, oh, like drugs. Yeah. Well, like drugs, sex, <laughs> drugs and sex, uh, yeah. death, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He also has a big mouth. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Mick has a gigantic mouth. Uh, it's, it's too big. Yeah, it's too big. Some uh, might say. <laughs> I would, I would, he, he Julia Roberts is you. He freaks you out. There. I mean, it's not as bad as that dude from Kiss. Like, whoa. oh yeah. yeah, Gene Simmons. Yeah. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've stricken his name from my brain. There's uh, just a few like uh, excerpts from a few different contemporary reviews I liked. Uh, a, a review by uh, Lynn Van Matre of the Chicago Tribune. Said it was said this album was hardly innovative, <laughs> and one of the best albums of the year. <laughs> and then uh, Q Magazine said it was uh, the Rolling Stones were that they're at assured showboating peak, and this was a magic formula of heavy soul, junky blues, and macho rock. Yeah, yeah. I think they really they they, they sure. got their number. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All positives. That's always a nice treat. Uh, next <laughs> time, next time we'll be talking about John Lynn. John Lennon, Imagine. All right, thanks, y'all. It's easy to do The things you wanted I bought them for you Hey